Welcome to the Tales of Mythic Adventure podcast, coming to you from distant shores with your hosts, Jeff and Mob. And welcome to another episode of Tales of Mythic Adventure. This is Mob. A very special. Oh, yes, a very special one. Here I am, I'm Mob in Australia, and that was echoing across the waves from the other side of the world. That's Jeff here in Berlin. And. Jeff, we are, with the uh, RuneQuest Classic Kickstarter, I think we have four days to go. That's right, and um, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, it will still be roughly four days to go. We are as timely and newsworthy as a recent episode of South Park. That's how fast (laughs) we produce these things. We are punchy and topical. That's right, we... Don't listen to it. Don't listen to this episode in six months because we will no longer be topical. But right now, now's the time to hear. It's it's super topical. We uh, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, we'll have just kicked over the hundred and forty-five thousand mark, which means another stretch goal have been will have been reached. And this is the epic sandbox campaign, Griffin Mountain. And I know a lot of people have been hanging out for that one. Oh, absolutely. Griffin Mountain is one of the great classics of the uh, Chaosium era um, RuneQuest supplements. It's one of the, it's probably one of the very best sandbox uh, uh, role-playing game campaigns that have ever been put together in mm-hmm. that it, it has no meta plot. It has no real plot at all. Your characters uh, are there in Balazar, the Elder Wilds, and there are three uh, Neolithic citadels, and they might be um, an adventurer that has come to Balazar from more civilized lands like Sartar or Tarsh, or frankly even Prax, mm-hmm. or they might be one of the, the local Balazaring um, hunter-gatherers. Uh, that are allied with these citadels, and you just you adventure and do things in the campaign. Your campaign will just develop organically, and maybe you even go uh, far, 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 far away uh, to Griffin Mountain, the eponymous uh, Griffin Mountain itself, uh, to quest for the Windsword, or perhaps you will go to uh, over the Rockwood Mountains. Oh, and see Gonorta uh, the giant. See Gonorta, absolutely. It's it, you know, and there's a a tremendous amount of just raw awesomeness uh, in the Griffin Mountain material. There is far, far, far better than the, in my opinion. And this is just my my own opinion. I thought that the later Avalon Hill reskinning of Griffin Mountain to be a generic fantasy island in the middle of nowhere was infinitely inferior to the uh, Griffin Mountain. Oh, I uh, totally agree. A profound disappointment, Griffin Island, I'm afraid. So anyways, yes. Sorry for that tangent. Oh, that's all right. And that is, that is we're, we're confidently will have been tripped over by the time uh, people are listening to this. You know, we've also just recently added a really interesting add-on, which was the actual RuneQuest 1 manuscript, and a lot of people have been really interested in that. Oh, yeah, that's the, this is the one that was put together in um, uh, remarkable haste and alacrity for, that, uh, for the 78 Origins, right? It, it was done... Um, 
Steve Perrin actually talks about that in his uh, his essay about how it was all put together. It was done in a great rush, such a rush they couldn't actually reformat the tables. So that's why the tables are in a different uh, typeface in there. And uh, famously or infamously, done in such a rush, not only did they misspell Glorantha on the back cover, it's Glorontha, uh, they also misspelled the name of their own company. Yeah, well, you know, this is what happens when you've got to get a deadline. And they got it out for that deadline, they sold out every copy, and it was successful enough that they could then do it the way they wanted to do it. Uh, which, which was request was... 2. <laughs> exactly. Although I, I have to say that the numbering system, I know it's traditional, <clears throat> but in many ways the numbering system has never made that much sense uh, to me because, you know, really... We, we we might as well call RuneQuest 1 RuneQuest The Origins Draft. And the RuneQuest 1, the real RuneQuest, is uh, what we all call RuneQuest 2. Oh, Jeff, I think that's just adding another level of complication. Exactly. All you guys out there that are upset about the naming, uh, con- uh, the numbering conventions, you can hate me even more because uh, I, I have trouble deciding between 1, 2, and 3. Let's just call and of it course Rune we've Quest. seen two point five and yeah exactly yeah. let's just call it RuneQuest as long as it's done by Chaosium. So the RuneQuest that came out in nineteen seventy eight was in many respects quickly recognized as revolutionary, wasn't it? Well, I mean, it was. It, it very quickly became a one of the two big foundational documents for every other. Uh, role-playing game. It had a tremendous, ultimately RuneQuest ended up having a tremendous impact on uh, D&D, which of course is the other foundational document. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could of... almost say there are level-based games and skill-based games, couldn't you? Yeah, because what, 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 what RuneQuest did, um, which was uh, really revolutionary at the time, is rather than approach your character as, okay, how do we model... Let me step back a bit here. And, and you know, both of these games come out of war games, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in, in both of those, what you have is you've given life to a single miniature um, on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And you, you've gone, okay, well, you know, here I've got, um, you know, I've got my, my Aragorn um, figure here. How do I model... I, I'd really like to have more adventures with Aragorn other than this skirmish with a group of orcs. Can I wander them around through a, a, a dungeon? And the initial way of doing that is, oh yeah, sure. What we do is, is we gradate these, these figures, um, you know, by green, uh, regular veteran elite. You know, mm-hmm. essentially a level system. Mm-hmm. RuneQuest looked at it differently and said, okay, let's give a probability of success for every action that this little figure is likely to do. So instead of there being um, a, a overall leveling, what you had was a really good combat guy has a really high percentage of both hitting the other person and blocking um, any attacks against um, themselves, mm-hmm. and 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 
although you end up with similar results where you can you um in that people that are you know there are people that are unskilled or green that die really quickly like cannon fodder and then you have very skilled folk that survive a long ways runequest's approach to this was just radically different in the the doors that it opened you know you could model anything and and very quickly you know steve and greg and the rest of those guys tried to model pretty much everything um internal and external in percentage uh percentage likelihood mm. and it really it just proved incredibly influential and and let your characters uh, i think steve perrins one of his uh, early comments on it was is that it let your character do anything yeah that was th- that was the thing that really appealed to him now interestingly the original RuneQuest, and we, we have this in this play t- this uh, playtest, uh, the, the, the documents that originally came out, there were three character classes, weren't there, to start with? Yes, Just were. like a level-based game, there was a fighter, a mage, and a thief. That was quickly dispensed with. When they... well, because it very quickly proved to be completely unnecessary. Yeah. If you have a skill-based system, then, yeah, you know, if you've got an occupation of being a thief, you're going to tend to improve these particular skills. The thiefy skills. These thiefy skills. But you might also improve other skills that are completely unrelated to being thiefy. Because you're a human being, and human beings have interests outside of their occupation. Yeah, they are complex individuals. And, you know... I, 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 of course, uh, I think got RuneQuest 2 when, when I first experienced rules, but that was the thing that really appealed to me too, was the idea oh, that there were no character classes, no experience points, no levels, and they didn't really have those same sort of restrictions on how, you know, what weapons you could use or what armor or spells. Everybody could do different things. Oh, yeah, and... and um in, uh, an entire line uh, or lineage of of role-playing game design comes out of that. I mean, there's the obvious um, uh, games that just use the RuneQuest core mechanics like uh, Call of Cthulhu or Stormbringer or Ringworld and so forth, uh, the, the Chaosium basic role-playing games mm-hmm. that, that are still alive and thriving. But also games, later, later games like Steve Jackson's GURPS uh, took the same approach of having a whole series of modeling everything as um, a skill or percentage of chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, many uh, very, very similar uh, high-level concept. Uh, Pendragon comes directly out of RuneQuest. I mean, basically take your Pendragon characters to uh, multiply all their skills by five, and voila, you have a RuneQuest character. Mm-hmm. Um, you have... Uh, then D&D itself, with its third edition, imported a lot of concepts from uh, mm. uh, that, that originate from RuneQuest, uh, in part because Jonathan Tweet is a, or, or was, a, a big RuneQuest player. And they <coughs> had systems that kind of merged both concepts. So you look at um, Mark Reinhagen's uh, World of Darkness 
uh, material. And there you have skill-driven characters, right? The various vampire werewolf types mm-hmm. combined with a um, quote-unquote class. Um, although you could also look at those as being cults um, from RuneQuest. You know, your type of vampire yep. uh, is is somewhere between a RuneQuest cult and a D&D class. Uh, and, you know, this is by, what, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, same deal with uh, uh, Ars Magica, which yep. is, is in, in, you know, directly influenced by RuneQuest. Again, not surprisingly, Jonathan and, um, was a, a huge RuneQuest player. In fact, I think his first published uh, adventure was for <coughs> RuneQuest 3 in... Uh, Strangers and Prax, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think that was his first publication. Oh, but you you, you have this game that just the, this rule system that uh, ended up having tremendous influence on every role playing game that comes in. Hey, let's go. E- let's go even further than that. It even goes into computer games. And I'm specifically oh, talking about the Morrowind games here, the the Elder Scrolls games, and of course King of Dragon Pass. Oh yeah, I mean the 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 if you play Morrowind um, and you play RuneQuest, you will see that they're very very similar. Morrowind was a skill based uh, used a a a skill based um, platform. Your character you know improves on a percentage scale, and it's basically just raw um, uh, RuneQuest. King of Dragon Pass is um, although doesn't use RuneQuest's approach at all in terms of because there are no characters in in King of Dragon Pass. Yeah, the it's a bit entire, more meta. Yeah, but the entire concept of King of Dragon Pass comes straight out of uh, Greg's um, uh, RuneQuest 2.9 Glorantha the Game epic system campaign materials uh, called, uh, I think, uh, either co- I think it's called uh, it was from Epic and not Glorantha the game, but from from his Epic game, which is a uh, um, a RuneQuest 2.9 or Rune Dragon, you know, a mixture of RuneQuest and and Pendragon that that goes out into an interesting way. And if you're one of the thousand dollar backers, uh, uh, you'll have access to Greg's notes on Epic and on. Um, uh, the Dragon Pass campaign, as well as the unpublished um, uh, RuneQuest uh, playtest materials, and I know there's something. Oh, the Glorant- the 1980 Glorantha Encyclopedia. Well, I know Jeff, but you've it, been uh, recently putting all of that stuff together. Um, you just well, it's to, from a, a design perspective. There was it, there was a tremendous amount of material um, and ideas and concepts that were played around with by uh, Greg Stafford and others that were built off RuneQuest 2 that unfortunately never got published as RuneQuest. And and I think Uh, it's really important to say at this point, they weren't not published because they weren't good enough or... Oh, no, 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 no. They they, They weren't published because they were so Glorantha specific. And, so, and RuneQuest, of course, 
in its third edition, while we're talking about numbers here, went off in a generic direction. So that meant that this stuff yeah. couldn't be and, used. And, and from a purely... I mean, I, I played many RuneQuest 3 campaigns, um, as did you. And... Um, the, so when I when I I sound critical of RQ3, I'm looking at it purely from a design from a designer's and writer's perspective. Uh, when the decision was made to ta- make RuneQuest generic, it meant a lot of the the really cool ideas that were tailored for Glorantha and built around. Uh, a character's experience as a Glorantan character just ended up getting dropped out. You see, you see a lot of these concepts in other games and other scenario uh, pieces. So uh, Pendragon uh, was heavily influenced by all of this. The mm-hmm. you know you look at the Pendragon personality traits, and uh, then you look at the. Um, uh, <clears throat> Dualist uh, power runes from RuneQuest, and um, you know, obviously, there's a line of connection there. Uh, Greg had been playing around with uh, personality traits, and some mm-hmm. of that made it into the. Um, it's in Griffin Mountain, runes, actually. In Griffin, yeah, exactly in Griffin Mountain, which uh, should be unlocked later on today. Uh, so you have a lot of that that made its way into RuneQuest. You had a lot of Greg's notes on households. Um, and how to start um, uh, characters embedded within their society made it into the RuneQuest Three Vikings book. If you remember, there were three, I think two or three Viking steads that your characters could come mm-hmm. um, to come from. And a lot of the base work for that comes out of the um, Greg's 1980 Dragon Pass campaign materials. It was so, also I mean, it was also Jeff kind of touched on in the. Uh, Riskland campaign in the director's oh, yes. book too. Oh yes, and one of the design issues that changed is that um, uh, the idea with Gloranthan games is is that you would have um, uh, it would be structured around the season. So you'd you'd figure out okay, this is what my character does most of the time uh, for this season, and a season is an eight week period in Glorantha. There are five seasons plus a. Uh, two-week magical time, which means the Gloranthan year is actually significantly shorter than the terrestrial year. But anyway, so you you had this idea that you would have uh, uh, you you know what your character was doing for most of the for most of the season, and then you'd have something extraordinary go on on this uh, uh, each season, and that would be the adventure. Which is uh, yeah. a little bit like what happens in Pendragon, isn't it? It's exactly what happens in Pendragon, except it's on a yearly basis, and you do your bookkeeping during the winter phase. Mm-hmm. Um, or a lot like uh, how gameplay works for King of Dragon Pass. You know, you have uh, each season, you allocate your community resources, and then there's always something happens. Some 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 exciting event that you need to yeah. deal with one way or the another. Adventure. So all of that was stuff that Greg had been pulling around with um, back in the RuneQuest 2 days, and it got dropped out uh, um, for RQ3. And and as a result, you ended up with weird stuff like um, training takes X number of hours multiplied by your current skill. Um, and you had 
you know, when I remember when I was playing RQ3, I was thinking, oh, well, does that mean that I can hire a trainer to do eight hours of, uh, of training a day? You know, boy, I, I, I get that work done. You know, I, that's 40 hours a week of training. Mm-hmm. Uh, because all of the, the social context of your characters, all the community stuff that, that had been played around with, all of that got stripped out because a Glaranthan clan is utterly unlike a, um, uh, uh, a Hyborian, um, uh, city state, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, you, you just end, you're, you're modeling very different types of societies, uh, which is different again from, uh, you know, Constantinople in late ant- antiquity, so on and so forth. And so that all got stripped out and got replaced by heavier levels of bookkeeping. And, and just from a design perspective, that I think was a, a Ended up being a bit disappointing, and meant that the RuneQuest three had a number of things that just didn't work as well um, with specific settings because it wasn't really designed for any yeah, setting. Yeah. And 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 from then on, every version of RuneQuest, um, you know, built off that that approach, and you know, some of them solved it better than others, uh, but. You know, it still was just a design problem. Mm. So uh, that's something that we're very deeply investigating in the uh, new Chaosium edition of RuneQuest, which oh, is going to be out, coming out all, in 2016. I, I, all of the one of the really big goals of the new RuneQuest is for the new RuneQuest to um, ultimately be what uh, Greg and the others were striving to make RuneQuest. This is if we go back to uh, after RuneQuest two, but before RuneQuest three. Correct, correct, and and obviously it's not going to be the RuneQuest two point nine that that Greg put together or Epic. No, because uh, we're we're also factoring in the last thirty years of game design and game development and using the best elements of those two. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But but what we want to do is capture as much of that um, uh, magical genie. Uh, that Greg was working on because there's unbelievably cool concepts of of how to um, have RuneQuest be a, a a way of exploring Glorantha seamlessly in the way that Pendragon lets your character seamlessly explore um, uh, Arthurian mythos mm-hmm. and in from a um, from a design perspective, you know, that's just awesome. You know, to have a game provide incentives for you, the player, to play your character as a character in that setting is just a wonderful, it's a wonderful feedback loop. It is, uh, it's going to be very, very rich immersion. Oh, and, and that's the goal is, is for it to be as, as rich, immersive, and fun as, as possible. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you, you, you nailed it down there. We, fun is a really important element of this as well. Oh, yeah, and, and you don't want to get, go down so far down the, the, um, uh, rabbit hole 
of modeling everything that the game feels like uh, an accountancy quest. Yes, or, you know, or, or, or so much gritty social realism that there's, there's way we've replaced crunch with grit. We're not really aiming to do that. No, 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 no. And, and I've seen some, you know, some of the, the early drafts that went on um, are far too detailed. Um, you know, so if you look at, um, I, I'm, I'm going to give a, um, a uh, sneak peek or... Um, what's the what's the term when you accidentally reveal spoiler? The plot a spoiler. Of a, I'm going to give a spoiler for those of you guys who are 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 um, buying all the unpublished uh, material. But in there, Greg came up with unit battle rules for RQ2 mm-hmm. um, that are fascinating because they bridge RQ2 and the the Dragon Pass War game. I mean, really interesting from a, conceptually, but from a rules perspective, they are just unbelievably cumbersome. I mean, mm-hmm. the, just the level of detail and the level of grit is stuff that, you know, obviously you can see why um, that form never got used. But um, there's some incredible concepts there that if um, that can be simplified and made more fun, and you get a lot of the richness from Greg's material without um, some of that, you know, 1979, 1980s... Um, uh, super rules complexity. Sure. So that that's going to be very exciting. So that's that's for that's for later in 2016. Yes. Also very exciting is we're going to have the Kickstarter winding up in uh, four days' time, and it it looks like I, I'm confidently predicting we're, we're going to get Griffin Mountain in the next, uh, hopefully in the next couple of hours. After that, I think we're, we're aiming for uh, Pavis, aren't we? Well, I'm hoping we get uh, I'm hoping we get Pavis and and Big Rubble and a number of others. But I'm just really I, I I've got to say I'm just really excited that um, we've got already well over sixteen hundred backers on this, and that's just fantastic. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, gosh, you know, um, uh. I don't know what level I want to to um, to go at, and uh, you, but you've got a thousand dollars or more that that you could spend on it. I'm really hoping that uh, if you listen to this, that in that unpublished scenarios and source material, oh my gosh, there's just awesomely cool material in there. I mean, it is. What do we call it? Last. Um, Last game, it's the Holy Grail. It's it's uh, definitely game design. Tre- treasures from the vault and the Holy Grail. But you know what? I'm going to go right down to the other end of the scale. If you've only got thirty bucks to spend, I actually think, and and quite a lot of reviewers have said, if you go out there and read about this Kickstarter on the web, thirty bucks is amazing value. Uh, you get oh yeah, you get that the, the hardcover book, you get the the. Printed player handouts, which I frankly had wished was in my very original edition. Yeah, it's twenty twenty pages. Twenty pages of those. Yeah, I mean, and plus you get a printed GM screen with all of that material. And, I mean, and you get PDFs of Fangs, Apple Lane, and uh, Snake Pipe Hollow. Oh yeah, it's a it's a heck of a deal. So. <clears throat> we, we've tried to cover all the bases there. You can also this is this is another one for people who are interested in the early history of the game but don't 
frankly don't have a thousand bucks to spare. For ten bucks, you can actually get that RuneQuest one, the Origins nineteen seventy eight uh, PDF of the. Oh, absolutely! Which is absolutely. A, a fascinating thing to look at, uh, if only for the uh, the <coughs> egregious spelling errors on the back cover. Yeah, for ten bucks, frankly, um, seeing Glorantha, both Glorantha and Chaosium. Or Glorantha and Kusum, uh, yeah, as their. <laughs> was it? I thought it was Chaosium. Chaosium, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's isn't it? They, they drop the O. There is a, a later product. I'm going to have to ask Rick which one it is. Where the game is called Rune Cust as well. Yeah, there is. There is Rune Curse. <laughs> yeah, right? was it? Yes, yeah, so you know. But this is. You think about it, this is back in the day before word check, and I don't know how good any of our material would be without Microsoft being our our brains for us. Well, with spell check and thing, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Steve Perrin actually mentions in his uh, essay, I think they used about a quart of whiteout trying to get that uh, Origin 78 version ready in time. And uh, I don't even know if you can buy whiteout these days, can you? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I think you can buy White Help because, um, I don't know if you can buy a typewriter anymore. Yeah, well that's what it was done on as well. So, so we do have the advantage of, uh, of doing that, uh, doing this, uh, this new version in, in the modern age. So Jeff, look, we're just about at the end of the, uh, end of our time. It's been an exciting ride watching this Kickstarter. There's going to be just a wealth of stuff going out for people to oh, yeah. enjoy and play with and, and read that's going to keep them uh, occupied and busy for, for quite a while. And, and, and one last point here. If you're listening to this and you haven't um, pledged for the RuneQuest uh, Kickstarter, what on earth are you doing? Yeah, I mean, come on. Come on, if if you're actually listening to Jeff and Mob talk and you don't have a copy of RuneQuest 2, uh, come on. Yeah, this is a golden opportunity to do it. As I said, 30 bucks gets you a hardback version of it. I think you can get, for 15 bucks, you can just get the PDF versions. But 30 bucks for a hardback, wow. My old copy of RuneQuest 2, which I'm holding up to the microphone now, uh, it's battered and much loved, and I'm really looking forward to getting a new copy myself. But for now, we've got to wind up because we're at the end of the uh, program for now. This has been Tales of Mythic Adventure with Mob and, and with Jeff. Jeff. And yep. we will catch you guys after the Kickstarter. Tally-ho. Cheesy. That concludes another tale of Mythic Adventure. Brought to you from around the globe. Or the lozenge given Glorantha is flat. Oh, the sun never sets on us. 